The following contains content that is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. The Devil and Mrs. Tremblay Written by Craig Moody Narrated by Jessica Caruso Two. The days continued to unfold into weeks and weeks into months. Slowly, the relentless heat of summer began to ease and chill into the first weeks of fall. Soon it would be time for the harvest, the crops would be sold, Joe would be paid, and the long, hard winter months would begin. I dreaded all of it. I didn't want Joe to leave. I didn't want Edgar in the house all the time, as was the case during the harshest weeks of winter. The panhandle of the state was by far the most affected by the icy months of winter. Edgar continued to improve, although he was never the same as he was before the injury. I would still hear him moaning and groaning in his sleep, his body constantly aware of the limitations of his mobility. Joe continued to remain an enigma to me. Edgar was sure to keep him busy from sunup to sundown. One night, I ventured to the kitchen for a glass of water. Instead of returning directly upstairs, I tiptoed near the doorway of Joe's downstairs bedroom. As my eyes adjusted to the faint light that flickered within, most likely from a bedside candle or lantern, my heart jumped as my brain took in the image before me. Joe was sprawled over the bed, completely naked. He had removed all the covers, his skin glowing in the flame-lit light. I felt my heart seem to inch higher in my body as I observed the young man pleasure in himself. His hand gripped tightly around his engorged manhood. His face was pinched and his eyes were closed. I couldn't turn away. I didn't want to. I watched for what felt like hours, fully engaged in what I was witnessing. It wasn't until the young man climaxed all over his torso and chest that my eyes caught sight of the photograph, yellowed and crumpled, lying just beside Joe's naked hip. The photo, usually framed and displayed in the small farmhouse foyer, was of me on my wedding day. I felt ashamed and embarrassed for days to come. Joe paid me no more or no less mind than usual. In fact, I noticed not a thing different about his interactions with me. He treated me in the same limited yet politely mannered way as he always did. It made me wonder just how long he had been using my picture for his personal fantasies. The Christian woman in me was horrified by what I had witnessed, but the yearning, unsatisfied woman in me thought of it obsessively. Edgar's healing back allowed for him to be more adventurous with lovemaking. He would turn my body around beneath him, altering sides and positions. Throughout it all, I thought of nothing but Joe, his naked skin, his erect manhood, his flesh covered in his own fluid. I wanted him more than ever. During my intimate moments with Edgar, 
I would always peer into the darkness to see if Joe were creeping about near the half-open doorway of our bedroom, hoping with erotic desire he was watching. I could never tell if he was or not, but it always made me climax when I imagined him there, seeing, staring, aroused. One night, just before the end of September, Edgar fell ill, gravely ill. I feared for his life. Ever the dutiful wife, I tended to him all throughout the night as his body burned with fever, his flesh drenched with sweat. I thought of what would happen to me if he died. I feared losing him more than anything. Despite my recent dissatisfaction with my husband and sexual longing for the young man who lived downstairs, I still deeply loved Edgar. He remained my whole world, content or otherwise. Edgar slept most of the next day, so I took the opportunity to tend to the chickens. While moving through the pen, I caught sight of Joe, shirtless and glistening in the early autumn sun. I found myself staring and quickly moved my focus back to my chores. As I moved to the back side of the house, returning the chicken feed to its bin near the back door, I felt a pair of hands grab me from behind and twist me around. Before I could utter a sound, Joe pressed his body against mine, smashing his warm, wet lips over my own. I felt my body respond immediately. Every hair stood straight. My nipples hardened and the flesh between my legs became moist and warm. The moment lasted for what felt like a lifetime before Joe pulled his face back to examine mine. I'm sorry, he whispered, his eyes frantic and wide. I didn't mean to. I pulled him back against me. Our bodies pressed tightly against the back door of the house. I felt my hands slide across his back and toward his posterior. As I maneuvered my hands over him, he situated his over me. He cupped my breasts and caressed my hair. We started to sink to the ground when we both heard Edgar call my name. A look of panic washed over Joe's face as he pulled away and helped me to my feet. I adjusted my hair and apron and moved beyond the back door and into the house. I didn't allow myself to think as I ascended the stairs and into the master bedroom. I found Edgar, wet with sweat, a puddle of vomit covering the bed around him. Without hesitation, I cleaned him and pulled the sheets from the bed. I took the soiled linens down the stairs and to the washing pail. As I soaked and pressed the stained sheets, I looked out to see Joe returning to the back fields. He glanced over his shoulder, his eyes connecting with mine. I forced myself to focus on my task not allowing my mind to ponder or concentrate on what had just occurred. I hung the sheets to dry and returned inside the house. I prepared supper and pushed the entire ordeal from my brain, never knowing it would soon consume me completely. Life went on per usual as the weather continued to chill into late autumn and early winter. Soon it would be too cold to venture to church. I dreaded the impending isolation. Edgar started planning the harvest. Within the week, all the crops would be collected and bundled for sale. 
Joe would accompany Edgar on the sales run. They would be gone for a week, leaving me alone on the farm. For some reason, I looked forward to their absence. Edgar was becoming more demanding than usual, and Joe hardly looked at me after the encounter we had some weeks prior. Are you sure you don't want to stay with the Jeffersons? Edgar asked as he stuffed several pairs of trousers and shirts into his worn-out leather suitcase. I would feel better knowing you were with someone. Yes, I'm sure, I responded, attempting to fold what he only balled and mashed into his luggage. You can come along, you know. Edgar concluded, lifting his eyes to mine. I just don't feel right about leaving you this year. Edgar, I said, smiling. You've been leaving me here while you go off to sell the crops every year for the last 15 years. I assure you, I will be fine. Just go, make us some money, and get back here as soon as you can. I kissed my husband goodbye and waved from the front porch as he and Joe sputtered off in Edgar's trusty pickup. Within minutes, they were completely out of sight. The first night alone was welcome and peaceful. I stayed out on the front porch well into the night, knitting slowly by candlelight. In the morning, I sipped coffee and looked out over the vacant fields where our crops used to be. Now harvested, everything had been collected, separated, bundled, and shipped to be sold. Edgar oversaw and arranged everything. He would only pay for the transport of his goods. He would never allow anyone else to touch or help bundle his lot. Only Joe was allowed to do what Edgar did. Together, they had completely cleared the farm of the harvest in less than a month. The wide, rolling dirt fields were now vast and suffocating. I could see for miles. Miles of nothing but endless Oklahoma dirt. Molly visited the following day. Thankfully, she opted not to bring her tarot cards. I was still shaken by the image of the devil. Time had yet to erase the illustration from my memory. I always look forward to this time of year, Molly declared as she dunked a biscuit into her grits. Bill never shuts the hell up long enough for me to hear my own damn thoughts, so I relish the time apart. I smiled and nodded, slowly poking at my own meal. I hadn't been prepared for a guest, so I whipped up the simplest dish I could think of. Eggs and grits. So what's to happen to that fine young man y'all have staying with ya? Molly asked. Bits of grits clinging to the sides of her mouth. I tell ya, I ain't never seen such a handsome fella. I would be in a constant state of blushing if he were around my place all the time. Molly ceased her self-imposed laughter once she caught sight of my face. Wait, are you sleeping with him? I felt the air in my lungs deflate immediately. I felt dizzy from her question. What? I stammered. Oh, forgive me, darling. I know I should watch my tongue. Bill is always telling me how someday my mouth will be the end of me. I shook my head and looked away. 
I couldn't believe Molly would ask such a thing, however slightly accurate it might have been. Let me just say this, hon, Molly concluded, dabbing her mouth with her handkerchief. Marriages grow stale after so many years. Both men and women are tempted to stray, especially when a fine young specimen shows up. But take my word for it, Edith. Resist the temptation. Straying ain't never done a lick of good for any person, much less a marriage. If it doesn't destroy what you have, it will eat at your soul. Just keep it all in your mind. Think of it in your dreams or while your husband pumps on you, but never act on it. Never. I just stared at Molly. It was all I could do. There was nothing I could think of to say in response. Eventually, she grew tired of her preaching and made her exit. I waved goodbye as she trekked the long walk back to her own farm. I prayed in silence she would not return while Edgar was away. I awoke to the sound of an engine approaching the farmhouse. I quickly dressed and made my way downstairs. Just as I opened the front door, I saw Joe staring Edgar's old truck while a larger truck driven by an unfamiliar man towed the unresponsive vehicle. Howdy, ma'am, the driver of the first truck called as he hopped out of his automobile and stepped toward me on the front porch. You must be Mrs. Trembley. I smiled and nodded. Yes, that's right. I confirmed, squinting into the morning sun to get a better view of the situation. Your husband's truck broke down just a few miles from Boy City. The boy here steered while I towed it back. Your husband is busy with the crop sale, so he trusted me to get it back here in one piece. Joe quickly exited Edgar's truck and shuffled to stand next to the man who had towed him back to the farm. I'm Henry Wallace, by the way, the man announced, walking closer to the front porch so he could shake my hand. I need to get back to my farm for the night, but in the morning I will swing by and take the lad back to Boy City. Edgar's expecting him back tonight, but I just can't make two trips today. I'm sure your husband will understand. My heart skipped a beat as I realized Joe would be staying the night. I could only imagine how furious Edgar would be when Joe didn't return to Boy's City tonight as planned. It was a pleasure meeting you, ma'am, Henry Wallace concluded, gripping my hand for a final handshake before nodding his head and returning to his vehicle. Joe assisted in unchaining the two trucks, and we both watched as Henry drove off the farm and toward the Oklahoma horizon. Can I fix you some coffee? I asked, nervous and a bit flustered. Joe lifted his eyes to meet mine. Yes, ma'am, he said softly. Thank you. I placed the percolator onto the gas burner and waited for it to brew. I could feel my heart still pounding inside my chest as I heard Joe open and close the front screen door. Within a second or so, I could sense him standing behind me. I just wanted to apologize for what happened a few weeks ago. He said, his voice shaken from what I assumed were nerves. I should have never. It's fine, I whispered, just wanting to shut him up. You have already apologized. I poured the fresh coffee and set two mugs on the kitchen table. 
Joe moved to fetch his and then returned outside. I could see him leaning against one of the front porch columns, his eyes and mind gazing out over the wide open plains. Joe spent the day tending to his usual chores. We avoided each other. When the sun finally set, I prepared a bit of extra supper and left it in the icebox per usual. An hour or so after I had gone to bed, I heard Joe enter the house and move into the kitchen. I was angry and annoyed that he was here. It was the last thing I wanted. I thought of Edgar, who I knew would be paranoid and furious that I was alone here with Joe. Edgar wasn't stupid. He knew I was attracted to this young man, and as a man himself, he knew that any red-blooded male would be attracted to a vulnerable female. The night passed by without incident. Early the next morning, I heard Henry Wallace arrive to pick up Joe. I heard Joe close Henry's passenger side truck door, and the engine accelerated back toward the county road that connected our long, winding driveway to the rest of the world. I felt relief at my regained solitude. After they had both returned from Boys City, Edgar never mentioned the night Joe had spent here alone with me. Edgar had done better than expected. With Joe's help, he was able to harvest and sell far more than he would have had he managed everything alone. I could tell Edgar was pleased with this year's bounty. He never said it, but I knew he was grateful for Joe's assistance. I'm going to pay the boy and see him off just before Thanksgiving. Edgar announced as we slid into bed on his first night back. I asked if he wanted to work for me again next year, and he said he'd consider it. I know he's eager to see his kinfolk, but he did better here with me than he ever would have just working on his family's farm. I smiled and nodded, happy that Edgar was content with Joe. I thought about Joe leaving, and I actually welcomed his departure. I still felt uneasy and guilty about everything that had occurred in secret behind Edgar's back. Me witnessing Joe pleasuring himself in the dark. The unexpected yet wanted kiss against the back door of the house. It would be a good thing that he was gone, at least for a few months. The one and only thing Molly ever said that I would freely and openly agree with was that no good came from straying within a marriage by either party. No, it would be good for Joe to leave, and it would be even better if he never returned at all. The night before Joe was to leave, I made my way downstairs in the dark, following the touch of the walls for guidance. I knew he would be eating his dinner alone in the kitchen. Edgar had been fast asleep for a good hour or more. Hi, Joe, I said softly, startling the young man as he ate silently at the kitchen table. Oh, hi, Mrs. Trembley. He sputtered bits of fried chicken skin falling from his lips. I just wanted to thank you for all that you did for Edgar, for us. We truly would have starved this year without you. I know Edgar is pleased with all that you did. You worked hard. Despite the low crop prices, we made just as much as we used to a decade ago. On behalf of us both, 
I thank you. I know Edgar ain't never gonna say it. Joe smiled and then looked down at his meal. Good night, Joe. Perhaps we will see you again next year. I didn't wait for a reply. I simply glided back up the stairs and into my place in the warm bed beside my sleeping husband. Just as I began to drift to sleep, an hour or more later, I saw Joe, his handsome face dimly illuminated in the hallway. Just as in my imagination he lurked at the doorway, peering inside, watching me in the bed. I couldn't tell how well he could see my face, but I was staring right back at him. He didn't move or flinch. He simply looked at me. Despite the creepiness of his lurking, his face was soft and gentle, almost like a parent observing their sleeping child. After about five minutes or so, he disappeared, and I could hear the faint creaking of the stairs as he descended back to the first floor. Without hesitation or a single thought, I slid out from under the covers and followed him. My heart raced as I crept down the short corridor to his bedroom. I didn't think. I didn't pause. I just opened the bedroom door, closed it behind me, and moved into the candlelit glow of the room. There was Joe, just scooting beneath his covers. He snapped his head in my direction, his face puzzled, his eyes gleaming in the faint light. Mrs. Trump, I cut him off with a kiss pressing my lips against his and sliding my tongue into his mouth. I sank my weight over him, straddling my legs over his lower abdomen. Our mouths departed and we both gasped for air. I lifted my nightgown over my head as Joe fumbled to remove the old trousers he slept in. I pressed my mouth back over his as I felt him slide inside me. I moaned, the feeling warm and wonderful. I sank down until my legs pressed tightly against his hips. The fullness of him was deep and wide, far greater than anything Edgar had ever managed to do to me. I felt Joe's mouth move to my bare breasts, kissing and sucking my nipples. I pounded my hips over his, working my lower body in a way I never had in my entire sexual life. Joe grabbed my waist and flipped me over on the bed, taking me from the back, we both struggled to catch our breath between the moaning and physical exertion. We fell to the floor, still connected, and finished in near unison. I licked the sweat off Joe's glistening chest as I rolled from on top of him and crawled to fetch my nightgown. I was just slipping it over my head when Joe grabbed me from behind, sliding his tongue into my still-throbbing womanhood. He pulled me back to the floor and re-entered my body. The second time around was even harder and deeper than the first. We rolled around grunting and sweating over each other like ravenous beasts. I climaxed twice before he finished again, still inside me. I allowed my hand to venture over his slowly retreating manhood as we lay together side by side. I had no doubts, no fears. No remorse and no regrets. I simply lay in silence, my body sore and aching from the passion. 
Eventually, I lifted from the floor, retrieved my nightgown, and exited the room. Just before ascending the staircase, I spun around and returned to Joe's door. He was just pulling his trousers up as I re-entered the room. Keep the photograph, I whispered, nodding toward the yellowed paper that stuck out just a bit from the corner of the mattress. Joe smiled and nodded, unembarrassed and unconcerned that I knew about what he did while alone with my image. I smiled and closed the door. I felt my heart beating out of my chest as I climbed the stairs and returned to the bed, the bed I shared with Edgar, my husband, the man I had been faithful to for just more than half of my life. I fell asleep a ravaged, satisfied, yet unholy and unfaithful wife. I would deal with my regret in the morning. For now, I just wanted to bathe in the memory of Joe's body and the smell of his skin, spit, and sweat all over my flesh. Hi, I'm Craig Moody, and I want to thank you for listening to Craig Moody's Novel Bites. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please like, follow, and subscribe to this podcast to be notified when the latest episodes are released. Print and digital editions of my previous titles are available through all major retailers. For more information or for links to my social media, please visit craig-moody.com. Until next time.